Now, those of you who are at the annual parochial church meeting, or the AGM as it's called here, will remember Al and Chris speaking about the situation regarding our finances in the church. Um, as you will have picked up then, and indeed it's uh, on the monthly brief that you've either received electronically or pick up a hard copy today, uh, giving has declined over the last three or four years, projecting forward. Uh, expenditure, on the other hand, has gone in a different direction. So we're not able now to afford, as Al said at the AGM, we couldn't afford to have a youth worker, and we don't have the money spare uh, in our ordinary income, income and expenditure to sort out things like the lighting. Um, so the PCC has decided that the matter of finance needs to be addressed. It's been a, a long time since there's been a sustained giving campaign. Occasionally you will have received a um, letter asking you to review your finances, and occasionally there would have been special offerings like to pay for the heating and little things like that. So I've been invited um, to ask us to consider the way that we use the money our money for God's work here at St. Giles, the financial facts of church life here at St. Giles. And over this summer, um, I'll be speaking about giving, and I have no doubt at all that Peter will include this subject and maybe some of his own experiences in his talks. We'll be talking about our giving to God's work, um, and there will be at harvest time, the 2nd of October, there'll be an opportunity then for everyone to bring to church their own responses. Um, and maybe at the same time as the harvest goods are brought up here, um, the baked beans and all the other things that we give and the things we give to the friary, there'll perhaps be an opportunity for people to bring forward their responses to the giving campaign. Um, I sadly will not be with you on that day because I will be with Jesus. Um, I'm not going to die, I hope, but um, I'm uh, off to um, Obramagau, uh, to, uh, to the Passion Play, so I will be with Jesus there. But I, obviously, you will all, all of you, be in my thoughts and <laughs> my prayers at that time. Oh, Lord, let them be generous, <laughs> something like that. And maybe Jesus will pick that up. <laughs> uh, uh, let me just say that um, much of the stuff that I will be saying today will, will be repeated on a number of occasions, or bits of it will, during the summer. So I will say things, you don't need to take notes unless you particularly want to. It, they will be recorded, um, they'll be there for you to listen to online, just in case you're on holiday for some of them. And on one of the Sundays in September, I'll be producing um, a little booklet which will have many of the points that I will raise today and many other things. Chris Lane, our treasurer, is providing me and has provided me with lots of information. I think it's very important that if you're asked to give to something, you need to have in front of you a clear picture of what the situation is. And so Chris is going to provide that together with current levels of giving and, and other interesting little bits of information that will help inform you when you sit down and consider your giving to God's work here at St. Giles. Well, now, lots of people feel that uh, talking about money and giving in the church, well, it's not a very spiritual matter. You know, we don't necessarily like to talk about money in church. There are some people who don't like to talk about money. Um, Kardashian, amongst them, 
Uh, and there are many clergy who really do not like to talk about giving and money in church services. Um, they know, uh, rightly, that frankly, there are an awful lot of people in the church who do not welcome the thought of another talk on giving and their money and then greet it with rapturous applause and enthusiasm. It's much, much easier, isn't it, just to talk about safe matters, as I said to the nine o'clock congregation, things like adultery and things like that. So much easier. Um, and these clergy, they hope, they really hope, and they pray that every year um, members of the congregation will sit down with their annual income, look at their income, look at what they're giving to the church and other charities, and will increase their giving uh, accordingly. Or indeed, um, that uh, what will happen is that um, uh, enough people will die and leave enough money to the church so they don't need to sort of worry about things. But in this church, a few years ago, it was decided that rather than uh, expect, I think it was a budget of 30,000 each year for you to give as you died, um, that uh, what would happen was that those gifts, bequests, would be put aside and used for particular projects. Um, and that the people who are here in the church today are the ones that should be paying the costs of the church and indeed the other things that we as a church do. Anyway, um, what happens in those churches where none of these things happen is that the treasurer says to the PCC, I've got some interesting news for you. We are just about to go into the equivalent of um, special measures because our finances are in a parlous state. And it's only then that the PCC say, right, we need to address the matter of our giving. And that's what's happened here at St. Giles. So the question is, who is going to talk about giving at St. Giles? And the obvious answer is the new rector, whoever she is, whoever he is, you know, <laughs> let them, you know, let them take the bullet. Uh, and why not? Well, I've been in that position on a number of occasions now, and I tell you, it's, it's not much fun when you arrive at a church. The first thing I'd say is, listen, you just haven't been giving. It's about time you gave your money. Trouble is, you see, when you do that, right at the beginning of your ministry, everyone says, well, ever since she arrived, all she's been talking about is money. We don't want that. It's not fair. And the PCC have decided and said that someone else should do that. And uh, so I've graciously accepted the warden's <laughs> offer to come and stand and speak about this. And after all, I have nothing to lose. Peter, we've got nothing to lose, have we? It's wonderful. <laughs> um, we can say what we like, and then we breeze off into the sunset when she arrives or he arrives, and we just say bye. We had lots of fun. Thank you. Right. Um, more importantly, uh, I actually enjoy talking about giving and money. I have stewardship. I have no problem with it at all. It's, it's been a blessing to me, and I know it's been a blessing to many of you, and hopefully it will be a blessing to more and more people here. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Jesus said so much about money. Those of you who've got eyes to see uh, will see that there are two little graphs here. Uh, I'm not very good on doing these PowerPoint presentations. I'll work and get better with it in time. But on one column, you've got a great, big, enormous red column. That's the number of verses that Jesus spoke about money. And then in the other column, you've got the number of verses that Jesus spoke about prayer and faith and things like that. Tiny. Jesus said so much about money. Why did he say so much about money? Because our attitude towards our money reveals our true state of heart. And someone has said, 
that the last part of a person to be truly converted, turned to Christ, is their bank balance, their giving. Now, money is an inescapable part of life. Uh, it is an inescapable part of church life. Without it, the Lord's work cannot be done. If you remember the Good Samaritan, two days wages were paid. Those of you who were here last week remember fantastic drama that we had led by Ellen. And it was um, unfortunate in a way that we missed out on the innkeeper bit. I do like the innkeeper bits in both the Nativity story and this, but we missed out on it. But those of you who know the story know that the Good Samaritan didn't just bind up the wounds, but he handed over two denarii. Uh, two days wages, apparently. You can't express your love for your neighbor fully without using your money at some stage. And even Jesus' earthly money, uh, ministry needed money. You know, there he was. He had to feed all these people. And, uh, and where did the money come from? Well, long before they had a church, they had a treasurer. Not necessarily a particularly good treasurer, but they had a treasurer. Right, a few introductions, because I haven't started yet. Um, first of all, it's a hello, uh, just in case those of you who don't know me, uh, all of you. Um, my name is Christopher, and uh, like Peter, you know, we use the gifts that we have in this church and in other churches. Peter's come hot foot from another church where he's been leading um, a, a, a service this morning in order to support me. And Peter, I thank you. Lots of people don't know just how, because Peter, unlike me, because I come around the corner, Peter comes all the way from Bingham. So I think he deserves a round of applause now. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all the applause he gets? Grief. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, so I'm very happy to use our time and energy, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and uh, the th next thing is the thank you um, that, um, to all those of you who do sit down every year, look at your finances, look at how much you give, not just to St. Giles, but to other things, and increase your giving to enable the work of St. Giles to continue. Thank you. Sincere thank you. Thirdly, a sorry you know, talking about money inevitably will offend someone. It's a sensitive matter. And God alone knows your financial position. I do not know your financial position. And I am not here to either judge anyone or indeed, you know, to, to dictate to anyone. And neither is anyone else. It's between you and God. Um, and uh, Jesus said, one of my favorite verses, uh, blessed are they who are not offended by me. It's one of my favorite verses. I just hope that you're not too offended by me, and particularly when it comes to this talk about giving. So lastly, please stick with me. Serious talk today, no funny stories. Sorry about that. So how is St. Giles finance? Where does the money come from? Uh, there could be here a very long sort of historical talk about where the money from the church comes from. Uh, haven't got time to do that today, maybe another occasion. But at one stage, uh, everybody had to give a tithe, 10% of their income or their goods. If they didn't have money, they gave 10% of their wealth, so their, their crops. And has anyone ever come across a tithe barn? Well, this is what um, used to happen. They would have these sheds, barns, things that looked like churches, and the goods were stored in these tithe barns. And you paid or simply you went to prison. Simple as that. Times have changed. Who pays for the work of God now? And the answer is, we do. 
The responsibility is ours. So how do we give? Do we give a set charge? Do we say everybody's got to pay, I don't know, £200 a month or something? Uh, or do we give a small sum, just a small enough just to avoid feeling guilty? Or um, do we just see what we've got at the end of the month and think, oh, well, we could give God that and that would be all right? Or do we give as little as possible, like a tip for God? Uh, and many newcomers to church don't know about giving to the church. Some of them just assume it's paid for by the local authority or the government. Uh, many Christians are not sure, really, how they should pitch their giving. Some, of course, know exactly. Um, and for them, when it comes to giving, they will stop at nothing. Literally, they stop at nothing. And they, if they are questioned on it, and by the question themselves, well, they say to themselves, remember the widow's mite? She gave just small coins, and Jesus commended her. What they conveniently forget is that she gave everything. Truly I say to you, said Jesus, that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings from God. But she out of her poverty has put in all the livelihood that she had. Little wonder that Jesus commended her. So, how do we give to God, his church, here at St. Giles, and indeed to other places? And now we've come to the beginning of this morning's talk. <coughs> right, here we go. Five principles for Christian giving. You don't need to write them down. If you can remember three of these by lunchtime, well done you. You don't need to write them down because in that little booklet I put together, they'll all be there, together with lots of other things, the budget, expenditure, all those sorts of things. So, five principles, begin with P. It should be proportional, as a priority, in private, as a privilege, and for profit. First of all, proportional. The Macedonians, says St. Paul, they gave according to their means. We do not all give the same amount. We don't expect everybody to give exactly the same amount. We don't add up the number, or we don't add up all the expenditure, and then add up the number of people there are in the church, divide one by the other, and say, right, the membership fee is whatever per month. Why not? Because the church is not a club. It doesn't have a membership fee. The biblical principle, running through the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that we give a proportion of our wealth or income as the Lord prospers us. We do not compare our giving with anybody else's giving. The only comparison that goes on is between what we keep for ourselves and what we give for God. That's what you compare. What am I keeping for myself? What am I giving to God? That's the comparison. Second principle, uh, biblical principle, Christian principle, is that of priority. St. Paul again says, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income and give according to your means. We shouldn't really just wait to the end of the month and see what's left over. No. We give to God first, or at least we aim to give to God first. We work towards trying to give to God first. Why do we give to God first? Well, because he gave to us everything, first of all. You know, nothing that we have hasn't come from him first. 
Everything we have comes from him. In the old service, we used to say, all things come from thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. We recognize everything comes from him. Third principle of giving is privacy. Jesus says again, so when you give, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, so that they may be honored by men. They already have their reward. No, um, I'll give you it as a private matter. Um, Jesus had no time for those who boasted about how much they gave. Uh, so, is our giving going to be made public? Are we going to put over there a board with everybody's name and how much you give per month? No. Um, mind you, I sometimes do think it would be a great idea, very interesting. It would be very interesting to see who rushed over to have a look. <laughs> who came in secretly at night just to have a quick look. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, did say at the nine o'clock, I think I can say it, in a church, I won't say where it was, a very prominent member of the church who was very vocal and did lots of things and had a big, strong voice in the church. Um, he fell out over something or other and the church vicar was very, very concerned about it and, and thought, oh grief, this probably means that financial are going to be in trouble now and went to the treasurer and said, do we need to have a giving, special giving campaign to make up? And the treasurer said, it make not one penny difference to us, the fact that he's gone. Gave nothing. Um, I don't want to know how much you give. The only people who will do in this church will be the treasurer and the stewardship secretary. They have to know because they organize the giving, they organize the banker standing orders and all that sort of stuff. And they will always be, hopefully, discreet and well-respected people of the church. No one else will know. Fourth principle is that it's a privilege. You know, um, Paul says again, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. Catherine read this passage, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, we should count it a, a joy, a privilege to give to God's work. Um, let me tell you one of my little Johnny stories. I have a book of them. Little Johnny um, was given two threepenny pieces. Some of you are old enough to remember. Uh, one threepenny piece was for the Sunday school and the other threepenny piece was to buy an ice cream on the way home. Well, very unfortunately, on the way to Sunday school, one of the threepenny pieces got lost. When he got home, his mummy and daddy said, did you have a lovely time? Yes. Did you remember to get your ice cream? Yes, he said. And they said, did you give your threepenny piece to the Sunday school? And he told them the story. And he said, but, you know, I know the Bible, and it says that God loves a cheerful giver. And in all honesty, I could not cheerfully have handed over my threepenny piece and not have my ice cream. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. Mother Teresa says the person who gives with a smile is the best giver because lo God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, what does it mean to be a um, cheerful giver? Uh, I um, seem to remember from sermons I've heard before, my Greek is not that good to know it, but apparently the word used can be interpreted as hilarious, to give with great joy, almost hilariously, to count it a holy privilege to give to God's work. What's a reluctant giver? Oh, well, I suppose I've got to do something this time round. How little can I get away with for not, for not to feel guilty? Right, fifth principle is it's for a profit. I'm going to talk in a moment about the, the parable of the talents. You remember 
the rich man who, when he came back, there was one, one man who had just buried his talent. You know, um, you know, we're not asking, and God isn't asking, that we give our money so that it's burnt or frittered away. No, it's for a profit, and the profit is not for us or for any individual in the church. It is for the kingdom of God and for his glory. God's purposes, God's plans, as we heard about in that lovely song, The Rock. Um, the parable of the talents, um, the wicked and lazy servant. You know, why did you bury the talent? If at least if you'd given it to the bankers, I would have got some sort of profit, some sort of interest. And here at St. Giles, we do need money in order to maintain not just the building, not just to pay the staff, but also to do the worship and hopefully to expand our mission out into the community and to be generous to other aspects of the work of God. Not just, in other words, just for us, but for God's kingdom. Right, here then are five principles of giving. Uh, how should we give? A proportion. Now, it will be different for different people. People will be at different stages. Maybe it's one, two, three, five, ten percent. It's up to us. And I always suggest to people who are starting to give to think of it in terms of a proportion and to try gradually to increase that to a time, hopefully, when they uh, can, can give a full tithe. Um, we give to God first. We give secretly. It's not open to everyone seeing. We give cheerfully, not reluctantly. We give to enable God's mission. At the end of the day, what we give is between God and us. Practicing Jews used to give 10%. You know, it's very interesting. You know, when Jesus said, um, um, he didn't say if you give, he said when you give. And his expectation was that those around, as practicing Jews, would give. They gave 10%. Uh, but um, Christians don't live by law, we live by grace. And uh, the question often asked is, uh, should we, who live under grace, feel under any less of an obligation uh, than the Jew who lived under law? Right, who is this? I wonder who this is. Right, look very closely. We've got these from passport photos. Do you keep your passport photos? On the left, you can see me. Out of 20, um, that's when I became a Christian, and the next one, well, that's me now. <laughs> I think it is. Is it? May, maybe not. That's, that is, in fact, how I looked just before the interregnum started. <laughs> anyway, over the years, um, uh, preaching on tithing, preaching um, on giving, uh, presents a dilemma. Uh, not just for me, I guess, but for many uh, ministers, clergy. You see, um, if I encourage you to tithe when I haven't always, or I can't always, am I not a hypocrite? If I say, I tithe, am I not guilty of boasting? Um, in this first picture, when I'm 20, uh, I remember soon after I became a Christian, someone saying, we're going to go and we're going to listen to um, a guy called Ian who's going to talk about giving. Well, I went along and I listened to this guy talk about giving and tithing. And I sat there thinking, this bloke Ian, he is heir to a fortune. Very, very well-known name, I won't mention it. Um, 
And I thought, who is he to be telling me that I should be giving 10% of the pittance that I earn? Um, and I also thought, ah, now I know why they want to become a Christian, so they get my money. Uh, anyway, I spoke with um, my, my flatmates, and we spoke about it, prayed about it, and we decided we'd make a start, at least, in terms of our giving. And it wasn't easy. I remember we got to the end of... Uh, one month and beginning to start the next month, we had to come up with three pounds each for Mrs. Alloway, our landlady. And in those days, three pounds was a small fortune. And we just wondered how on earth we were going to find it. And we went downstairs that day and there uh, on the floor, um, someone had put an envelope through the door and it had in it 31 pound notes. There were one pound notes once upon a time. It was a fortune. And I thought, well, God has been good to us just as we've tried to be faithful to him and I would say that uh, as God has prospered so I have gradually been able to give more do I give all my time to St Giles no I don't I love St Giles but you know we go belong to other churches and there are many other Christian and other charities that I we support um, tithing though I would say has been good for me it's good. It's good to open up one bank statement and see that it isn't just all for me. You know, that God does come first. It's a principle we talk to our children. Out of their pocket money, we used to suggest they gave a tithe. And they did. And they still do, to their credit, uh, when they can, as they can, as they're unable to. And they say it's a, it is a blessing to be part of God's purpose, to take a part in it. You know, to be uh, uh, to be that given, that privileged. There is an old saying that you cannot give back to God any more than He has given to you. And there is a saying that God is no man's debtor. I'll conclude with a prayer. Heavenly Father, please bless each one of us by Your presence, by Your love and mercy, and Your goodness that our hearts may be warmed, our minds transformed, so that joyfully and cheerfully we may, each of us, respond to the prompting of your Holy Spirit in all matters, including that of our finances and our giving to your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.